0: There's a lot of people who share pictures of their wolf hybrids that might be low content or might be that one in a million, you know, wolf dog that just acts more like a golden retriever than acts like, you know, it's true wolf heritage. So then everybody gets the idea, well, I can handle this. I can have one of these.
1: I'm Phil Hatterman, and you're listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Today on Dog Words, Kim Prenti and Chelsea Morey from Wolves of Maine Sanctuary discuss their important rescue work and how they are educating the public about these beautiful creatures. If you're new to Dog Words, in each episode we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We Save Each Other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means, the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us, and they already do a lot. You can support Rosie Fund by making a donation on our website or Facebook page. You can also contribute by making a purchase from the store on our website buying a t-shirt at bonfire.com, or buying our note cards featuring Rosie and Peaches and our shirts on barkyours.com. Links are in the description. Your donations and purchases help fund the Rosie Life Starter Kits that make sure these senior and harder-to-adopt dogs have some of the items they'll need in their forever home. Any donation amount is greatly appreciated, but here are some popular levels. $30 provides a collar and leash for a Rosie Life Starter Kit dog, And $100 covers their entire kit. You can also support Rosie Fund by downloading, subscribing, rating, and most importantly, sharing dog words. Follow us on social media, even if you aren't looking for a dog. Watching and sharing the videos helps our channel gain exposure, bringing awareness to our cause, and giving shelter dogs much needed attention. Our free Rosie Fund YouTube channel offers great videos of Rosie, Peaches, Vinny, and shelter dogs looking for their forever home. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions, especially if you have an idea for a topic or guest. Go to the podcast page at rosyfund.org to share your thoughts. The mission of Fund is to provide humans with the resources and education they need to give senior and harder-to-adopt dogs a better life. We thank you for joining our mission. Today on Dog Words, we welcome Chelsea Morey and Kimberly Printy from the Wolves of Maine Sanctuary. Welcome to Dog Words.
0: Thank Thank you for having us.
1: This is such an interesting topic to me. And we've talked about wolves a little bit when we've had dog behaviorists on the show. And what they point out is two main things. One, dogs are not wolves. So what people sort of have as the so popular conceptions about how dogs are part of a pack and how you have to treat a dog and behave with a dog and interact with them like they're a wolf is not really that accurate. While they share a lot of DNA, they're not the same creature. And then the second thing they point out is, and most of what you think you know about wolves is wrong anyway. People's conceptions of wolves based on Movies may have misled them. So today, I want to learn what do we need to know about wolves, but also I want to learn what is the Wolves of Maine sanctuary. Just throw all that out there for you. I'll sit back and listen, (laughs) and don't hesitate Um, to straighten me out if I'm wrong on any of this.
2: Okay. Well, Wolves of Maine, we are a nonprofit. We are a volunteer organization, and we operate on donations only. We do rescue currently for eight hybrids, and we just recently rescued a new little guy, Howell. So we kind of have four younger, we like to call them, wolf hybrids, and then we have four that are kind of older and easing into retirement, so to speak. So it's an interesting little mix, and they all come from different backgrounds. So we do the rescue and make sure that they are spoiled and live a happy and healthy life until their last day. And then the rest of what we really do is education. That's a really big component of the organization. I would say in the last three months, we've been asked to probably rescue at least 30 wolf hybrids. Mm -hmm. That is a lot. Um, We got asked to rescue 30 last year. So those numbers are concerning to all of us because there's a lot of people that think it's really great to have a wolf hybrid. Sometimes it's just for, you know, keeping the house secure and safe and Unfortunately, what people don't realize when they get this cute little wolf hybrid is, you know, when they become adolescents, you know, between one and three, they are trying to get a feel for everything. And again, like you pointed out, they're not really a dog and they're Mm -hmm. not really a wolf. They're kind of their own little entity. And that's when they start misbehaving and people are just like, oh, this isn't going to work out. And a lot of times if we are not able to rescue these guys, then they're euthanized which is really unfortunate. They land in shelters all across the country, and in a lot of places they're illegal. So we have maybe 24, 48 hours. How was very lucky down in Rhode Island. They held on to him for several months, but that's unusual. Usually the shelters are just not able to care for them, and they get euthanized. Even if it's the people- not euthanized as a matter of
1: policy, that it's an illegal animal, it's... Likely not adoptable, because you can have a just a regular dog that has behavioral issues that, as a point of liability, the shelter or rescue group can't adopt this animal out. And if you have that issue with a dog, just imagine a wolf hybrid, turning it loose on some family that's wanting to have a a dog. They're going to have the same problems that the people who surrender the dog in the first place are going to have, or the wolf hybrid.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And then usually they're just put into an environment that is not conducive to them, whether they're used to being outside and now they're sitting in a shelter where there's a lot of triggers for them. So you don't get a fair assessment really of what their behavior is. And, you know, if they seem at all aggressive or assertive, unfortunately, it's just easier to I think euthanize them a lot of mm-hmm. times and they're not considered rehomable.
1: Well, thank goodness know? there are people like The two of you and your team of volunteers that have created sanctuaries like Wolves of Maine. So what prompted that?
2: There's a group of us here that we all started, I met Chelsea years ago, but we all started volunteering for another organization where some of these hybrids originally lived and previously that organization wasn't running as efficiently as a nonprofit as it should the the lady that started it was wonderful and had great intentions but didn't understand licensing and regulations and rules and those kind of things so that's where we kind of came in and started trying to make things compliant and establishing that relationship with inland fisheries and wildlife here in the state of Maine because they are the ones that issue us our wildlife permit and that is legally the only 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 way we're able to house the hybrids is under that wildlife permit, because Mm -hmm. they really are illegal in the state of Maine, Mm -hmm. says Inland Fisheries and Wildlife. So we kind of need their blessing in order to be able to rescue somebody. That's why we were grateful that they were letting us help Howell out of his situation recently.
0: It's a lot trying to navigate staying in good graces with the Department of Fisheries and Wildlife and the state when you're working with a state that doesn't necessarily want these animals here in the first place, a good portion of what we do as far as education, obviously we educate the public on wolves and their importance in ecosystems and why we need them. But we also educate people on why wolf hybrids and wolf dogs do not necessarily make good pets, as Kim had mentioned. So it's tricky trying to navigate the waters between, you know, having an organization that not only houses these animals that are technically illegal But also having the public interact with them, running the risk of the public seeing these animals, not necessarily taking what we're trying to promote as far as education. For example, you know, they come to the sanctuary, we tell them why these animals don't make great pets and why they're in the situations they're in. And then unfortunately, some people leave thinking, Well, I could I could have one, I could take care of one. So part of the reason why in the
1: ideal environment. At least as ideal as you can make it in an artificial environment and like, yeah, these are well-behaved, beautiful, yeah. majestic creatures. I would love to have that on my acreage.
0: And they don't realize. And then unfortunately, that's where a lot of the issues stem from. And social media is, a, unfortunately, as nice as it can be for organizations to spread the word and have people learn about them, it can also be kind of double-edged sword in the sense that, There's a lot of people who share pictures of their wolf hybrids that might be low content or might be that one in a million, you know, wolf dog that just acts more like a golden retriever than acts like, you know, it's true wolf heritage. So then everybody gets the idea, well, I can handle this. I can have one of these. I can do this. And then it just ends up being a mess.
1: And for every 20 hours of footage they shoot of their wolf hybrid, they post seven minutes And you don't see the other 19 hours and 53 minutes of it roaming and hunting and destroying a couch. and
0: Yes, or going after animals outside. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, a lot of the things that we see in the calls that we receive from people who are trying to find homes for these animals, it's a lot of the same things with wolf dogs and wolf hybrids there's a difference between the way that they mature versus that of a domestic dog. So typically our dogs are mature by like between one and two years old. Wolves in the wild don't really reach sexual maturity until about two years of age, sometimes not reaching that full, full sexual and physical maturity until three. So a lot of people will get a high content wolf dog or a hybrid and it acts like a normal domestic dog up until age two. And then a switch flips and we start seeing those mature wolf behaviors such as well i don't have to follow commands because i'm not a dog or i'm gonna go chase the neighbor's dog up the street because it's small animal and that activates my prey drive or just general destruction like i'm bored so i'm gonna just chew up the sofa today like they people don't realize these behaviors manifest because the animal is essentially wild even if it has german shepherd siberian husky any of those types of breeds that we're really familiar with so when they end up displaying these mature wolf behaviors it can be frightening for owners, especially if they have children. And sometimes it can even lead to an altercation if the animal has aggression and it can't properly express itself as a dog would, which leads to a lot of issues with people needing to rehome them.
1: People forget this is one or two generations removed from Mm -hmm. a wild creature that if you watch any wolf documentary – the amount of ground they cover in a day, the amount of food they consume, Mm -hmm. there's no way you could offer that short of having a sanctuary. Mm -hmm. Um, And to have it match up what is in their DNA, not only would you need a sanctuary, because as great as the work that you are doing at Wolves of Maine, compared to the life a wolf would have in the wild, the range that it would be allowed to cover uh is just not even a comparison Mm -hmm.
2: nope they could they could travel 50 miles a day out in the wild so living in captivity we certainly are doing them a disservice that's for sure yeah
1: you think you need to give your rhodesian ridge back a couple walks a day (laughs) Yeah, yeah try to wear out a wolf
0: I mean, we have a couple of lower content wolf dogs on the property that the second they're out in like our big area enclosure that they're able to really stretch. I mean, they just they just run. It's just running, running and they're outside all the time. So it's hard to imagine an animal such as one of ours that has been confined to a life indoors previously to being able to be outside and just like. The energy builds up, the Mm -hmm. need to go exercise, the need to interact with the environment and to basically act on these instincts that they have deep down because of their wolf ancestry leads to frustration and which can manifest as these negative behaviors that we see in many wolf dogs and wolf hybrids.
1: Beyond the challenge of dealing with the instincts they have as a wolf, people have trouble owning herding breeds, cattle dogs Mm -hmm. Australian Shepherds, Border Collies, Australian Cattle Dogs, because they're just so darn smart that you can't (laughs) occupy their brain. My understanding is that if you think a Border Collie is smart, a wolf would dwarf their intellect. So not only are you dealing with those instincts that they have, you're not going to outsmart it either.
0: Mm That is is true.
2: I was going to say... I joke with everybody because I spend a lot of time with these guys and I feel like I'm constantly playing an outwit, outsmart, outlast mm-hmm. <laughs> with the pack every day. <laughs> very smart. And like Chelsea said, it's that's why it's so important to keep some of them very engaged mentally beyond just the physical needs you know, mentally, you need to kind of keep them engaged and stimulated. So we have a behaviorist and a trainer that comes and helps us with that weekly. We have like puzzles and games that we do on days when it might be rainy. They love a snow day. That's the best fun day for them. But it's difficult. It's challenging for all of us to be able to kind of keep them stimulated and happy in that way. Because again, we can't afford them the space, you know, and what they really want to do as a wild animal.
0: And living in the wild, I mean, you also figure they're constantly interacting with what's around mm-hmm. them. They're interacting, they're interacting with the pack. A lot of people don't realize that wolves actually, and this is something like I talk about a lot with like our education. Whenever we have events, is a lot of people still believe that wolves function under the alpha, beta, that kind of system, mm-hmm. and it's actually an outdated belief. A lot of people don't realize is that a group of wolves, a true pack of wolves is actually a family. And mom and dad are the two, what would be called the alphas, but basically they're the ones in charge. So on a day-by-day basis, mom and dad are interacting with their children and their children's children. And every day they're working together as a group. They're interacting. They're going out. Some of them are going out to look for prey. Some of them are looking out to mark the territory in case there's a rival pack. Some of them are just looking for denning sites. It's just a constant way that they're keeping themselves active with their environment because they're surviving in the wild and when you have an animal that doesn't need to hunt for food doesn't need to go look and mark its territory for miles and miles on end you know all of our animals are spayed and neutered so none of them are breeding they don't need to go find you know a den area it's just a lot of like okay well i have pent up energy that i need to burn Mm -hmm. and use and i need to do something with this and so that's why it's a constant state of keeping these guys entertained and they are whip smart. And if you turn your back for a minute, if they can find something to get into, they will. <laughs>
1: this, I was going to share a story that I've, I think I've shared on dog words before that I heard years ago on another radio interview. So I may be getting it wrong or it may be apocryphal, but it was a wolf rescue in Florida that had primarily wolf hybrids and they got a wolf and they slowly introduced it to the rest of the pack, and it, it it fit in. And the operators, the staff, were already familiar with how smart the wolf hybrids were. And so they're doing just what you've described, keep them occupied and give them puzzles and challenges and keep their lives interesting. But at mealtime, they would have uh, big cans of wet dog food that they would add to what else they were feeding them. And they would set that aside and whatever dog got done first could go lick out that canister. And they've been doing that forever. They get this wolf. The first time she's with them, she sees this happen. Dogs that get done first get to clean out the can. The next time they fed them as a group, she walked over, picked up the can, brought it over, put it next to her dish (laughs) ate her food and then cleaned out the can. It's like, I'll just set this over here. The rest of you can figure things out for yourselves, but yeah, but immediately sized up the situation. And it's like, there's a better way to do this.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. They're very good at puzzle solving. I mean, I've worked with one. I obviously I'm at wolves of mains. We've had wolves. We have wolf hybrids, wolf dogs. Um, It's astounding seeing how not only are they incredibly intelligent and honestly innovative in the way that they figure out how to get around things. Um, but it's just, they all have their own personalities as well. So I swear some of them are like these canine Einsteins that just know how to do things. <laughs> and then other times I feel like they do know what they're doing and they're just like, I don't feel like I'm doing it today, but you, not you still know that they can. Yeah, I don't, not I don't need to prove anything to you. <laughs> <Exactly>.
1: <laughs> Is there any sort of hierarchy within in your hybrids, like the ones who've been there longest, kind of teaching the others, showing your younger ones the way.
2: Oh, definitely. We had anoka and lamasi, so they were actually a hundred percent gray wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, and lamasi and Anokai just passed away in the last year. Chelsea and I, when we first started years ago, they were our alphas, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But they definitely. Kept the pack in line. They Lamasi was our leader. Nobody howled unless she kind of got it started, and mm-hmm. then everybody would the choir would begin, kind of thing. <laughs> and now it's kind of funny now that they've both passed, and he's walking up now, which is hilarious. Little trouble. Um, <laughs> he's not the next oldest, but he's the largest other wolf that we have. And to me, it seems like he has assumed Lamasi's. Post, so to speak, where she looked after the pack after Anokai left. Now, trouble feels like that's his job. So, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd call him Alpha, but he certainly likes being the boss. <laughs> it's
0: interesting. Yeah, the dynamic. So, Lamassi, when she passed just this past summer, she was 15 years old. And Anokai was actually 14, which in the wild, wolves only live to be about five. In captivity, usually like 12 to 13. So, their age was exceptional as far as how everybody in the pack interacted, Anokai was definitely more aloof, but definitely respected. I'd say, honestly, Lamasi was yeah. very motherly. And so, yeah, it is mm-hmm. funny seeing how, especially with trouble, he's like the dad. Now he comes through and, and, It's interesting seeing because like we have a few younger wolf dogs that if they get really spunky and start running around or they have high energy, he'll like bark like, all right, settle down. Like he has to kind (laughs) of police it a little bit. And it's just when you think about wolves in the wild, mom and dad are the ones to do that. If a younger wolf, a child or grandchild is acting too much, the mother and father will do these corrections. All right, you need to calm down, you know, keep the peace essentially. And when animals in the wild... Especially when wolves in the wild, when the mother and father dies and their next of kin assumes the role, they will just naturally step into it. So seeing these animals that are not necessarily full percentage wolf but still have that genetic component, it's really interesting seeing them just immediately be like, Well, I gotta do what I gotta do. I gotta step (laughs) in and be the leader now because the other leader's gone. There's a a void and someone has to fill it. Exactly.
1: Your volunteer organization I would guess people are really excited about the opportunity to interact with wolves, but it probably takes a special kind of person. Not just anyone can walk through the door and say, yeah, I'll sign a waiver. Show me a wolf.
2: It's That's very true. And, and we are particular because they're very intelligent, you know, and they read energy. Like a lot of times when new people will come, we'll kind of, You know, for me, when I bring them in and introduce them to the wolves and start talking about what would be expected as a volunteer and how can they like how do they best fit into the organization? Because not everybody has to have the hands on with the wolves, but those that do like I just kind of watch how they interact and how the wolves respond to them. And honestly, they kind of let us know who's going to be helping pick up the poop and do the water buckets and trudge the chow through the snow and those kind of things. And we do have a wonderful group of volunteers and they're very dedicated. We also have a lot of interns because, you know, our platform is education. We try to work with several colleges in Maine and even one in New Hampshire that's nearby. And we look forward to those interns every year. You know, they do very cool projects and they bring a lot to the organization with what they're learning about the downside of that is that they move on they graduate Mm -hmm. and they move on so it's not consistent and and that's I guess one of the other the only drawback we're feeling now Chelsea's on the board as well as myself and a couple of other ladies but we're finding that we really need a few paid positions to have that daily continuity from one day to the next having a volunteer that just comes in one day a week for four hours It's not the best scenario for the wolves, I guess, in in that way. So that's where we're feeling some of the growing pains of being a nonprofit of, okay, well, how do we generate enough resources to be able to pay a couple of us to be here with Mm -hmm. them with what they need every day?
0: Mm -hmm. It's a lot. It is a lot. And the nice thing with our, like Kim was saying, we have a wonderful volunteer base and we have wonderful interns. And of course, being a nonprofit As I'm sure with your experience, with your foundation, looking at it, there's always stuff to be done. So when we have people who are interested in volunteering, as Kim said, not everybody needs to work with the animals. You know, there's plenty of people who can set up and organize for fundraising or can do more of like the type of like landscape maintenance types things on the ground. One of our volunteers, Bobby, is like Mr. Fix-It and can literally build and do anything. It's incredible (laughs) the work that he does for the sanctuary. And it's awesome because he's one of our volunteers. And it's just everybody can fill kind of their own little niche as far as what they do. But going back to what Kim said with the animals, especially with like our interns and volunteers, the animals do let you know if they're not comfortable with someone or if they are comfortable with someone. There's usually there's a way that you would know, just as Kim was saying, also just observing how people interact with them on a daily basis. Wolves, dogs, really any canid they're masters of communication. Stephanie, who is one of our volunteers, but also is our behaviorist. She has taught us so much about canine behavior and how much an animal, not even just canines, but at least our animals will let you know if they're not comfortable with something or if they are comfortable with something. So in a sense of When we're looking for volunteers and staff, in addition to the human component of, okay, do we mesh well? Do you have the interest of the organization? Like, will you be a good fit? We also watch for how the animals will fit and how how they kind of jive with the people that are going to potentially be working with us. Uh, But it is challenging because being a nonprofit, it would be nice to have staff all year just because then we wouldn't have to worry about relying on volunteers or interns that end up needing to move on or if they move, or if something were to happen. So it's kind of like a never-ending cycle of searching for like people that are willing to commit to the organization that can stay and then get to know our animals well enough that both the humans and the animals themselves and the organization are comfortable.
1: What you're rescuing, it's a long-term solution for each animal. There's not a risk of them being euthanized. It's not a We're trying to adopt these out and if we can't get it adopted we need to euthanize it but you also have limited space so you can't Mm -hmm. just take every you know all 30 wolf hybrids that people want to pass off onto you but the burnout for people in regular shelters seeing dogs that go day after day week after week and don't get adopted and then even in a no-kill shelter for space issues you have unfortunately dogs that are euthanized Uh, Mm -hmm. what's the burnout like with your organization? What is the challenge for the volunteers in staying excited and motivated when they see there's always one more dog that needs to be rescued?
2: Having Mm -hmm. to say no to those ones that we can't rescue, uh, it leaves me with a heavy heart. Like I feel last week... An example is in Chelsea, you know, we were all in the same boat last week, but we yeah. got a email from an attorney's office in the state and representing a veteran and he was in crisis and he happened to have a wolf hybrid, you know, that needed to be rehomed immediately. He knew that no one else could really care for him. And that's why he the veteran wasn't willing to seek help that he really needed. So that became like the priority for a handful of us last week is trying to figure out knowing that we can really take them in because we just Mm -hmm. have a new addition already and the hoops it would be. It probably wasn't a great fit for our current rescues. Then we have to just start reaching out to our network of how can we help this person? That certainly is hard to not be able to help in that scenario But when you're feeling a little overworked and underappreciated, all we really have to do is walk out into the yard and sit down in a pen with one of the kids. We co-parent. That's how our organization, how we speak to each other is we Mm co-parent these kids. And immediately that's why we're here. That's why we do what we do every single day. So that's the easy fix. It's it's the no that's hard. Mm-hmm. And then the, other, the only other struggle I see for that is there's a handful of us that really kind of carry the organization, and it's a lot when we have things going on in our lives with our family members, just that typical ebb and flow of, oh, wow, this is a lot. So it has so to be so a tough balance. It, it is very
1: Because you very have tough. to have your regular life to support. If you gave Correct. everything outside of Wolves of Maine, you yes. wolves of Maine would be unsustainable.
2: Exactly. And that's what's really brought us back to, okay, we really need to figure out how to create these paid positions. That seems mm-hmm. to be our biggest hurdle right now. I think Chelsea would probably agree with that. Well, I definitely.
1: Yeah, I'd, and it could be awkward or uncomfortable to talk about the heartbreak and disappointment of not being able to help a rescue animal. And sometimes you don't find a solution short of Mm -hmm. what then is imposed Mm -hmm. by the state, but it's important to have those conversations so that one volunteers come into this eyes wide open Two, that. You can address how can we fix this system? And three, that people stop breeding wolf hybrids and stop trying to make a wolf, a domestic animal. The ultimate goal is for wolves of Maine to close down because we have no more animals to rescue.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's mostly like, well, obviously the education of wolves and their importance, but then also we educate about wolf hybrids and wolf dogs because as as off as it sounds, we don't want them to exist. Mm -hmm. We don't want these animals to have to go through life not really fitting with wolves, not really fitting with dogs, struggling to fit in with people. It's just kind of like they float in their own little category and it's not fair to them because they didn't ask to be here. And unfortunately, the majority of them, it's irresponsible breeding that ends up being the reason why they're here. And it's just not fair. So as wonderful as our pack is, and we love everybody dearly and they're all very sweet, we still strive to educate and explain why these animals really ideally should not be a thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> shouldn't be around.
1: Well, keep up the good work in uh, rescuing and educating anyone in Maine who wants to be a part of this. You can go to wolvesofmaine.org that is linked in the description and see about volunteer opportunities, but also anyone anywhere in the world can help you out by donating and purchasing items off your Amazon wish list that I'm sure there's no shortage of need become a regular sponsor of, of wolves of Maine and help this great cause.
2: Yes. The pack sponsorship is instrumental in us taking good care of the pack. It really is. And they appreciate it. They really do. (laughs) They appreciate it every day
1: and if you want to see some just beautiful 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 animals follow link uh for wolves of Maine and the current pack has pictures of of each of your residents and you can just see in their eyes just what magnificent creatures they are
2: yes if you do follow them they're always up to something funny and Kelsey does our Wolf Wednesdays where she does a little bit of video for our social media and she catches them doing some pretty goofy things, which is always, always fun to watch. And once it starts to snow, there'll be a lot more. That's when they're really come to life and enjoy playing in their snowbanks and all that stuff. So it's the best time on. of year. Yes.
1: Speaking of social media, I will have links to your Facebook and your Instagram. And I always remind our listeners that, As much as a tax-deductible cash donation helps out, even if you can't do that, following on social media helps gain exposure for this organization. So maybe someone who follows you will see your repost of a Wolves of Maine Instagram or Facebook and they may be able to donate. So just by following, that costs you nothing, but it helps in ways that uh, you can't uh, possibly imagine or predict. So follow on Facebook, follow on Instagram, check out org. Chelsea Morey, Kimberly Printy, again, thank you for the work you do, and thank you for taking time out of it to help us today and and thank your residents who chipped in in the background i could hear it because i'm listening on (laughs) headphones i'm not sure how many of our (laughs) listeners will be able to pick it up but that was a nice little addition (laughs) to the podcast Mm
2: -hmm. thanks so much Mm -hmm. for having us we appreciate it
0: yes thank you so much for giving us the chance to talk a little bit about our organization and what we do and spread the word because we are pretty new and so it's always good to reach out and let people know who we are
1: I'm Phil Hatterman, and you've been listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Thank you to Kim Printy and Chelsea Morey for joining us today from Wolves of Maine. Their website, wolvesofmaine.org, is linked in the description along with their Facebook and Instagram. A big thank you to alternative string duo The Wires, featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks, for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's and previous episodes of Dog Words. Supporting The Wires supports our mission. Learn more about The Wires, including their concert schedule at thewires.info, and download their music on iTunes. Check out fiddlelife.com and learn to play fiddle and cello fiddle online from Laurel and Sasha, even if you've never played before. Go to rosyfund.org to shop and get links to our social media. As always, please download, follow, rate, and share dog words. This helps us with sponsorships, then Rosie Fund can help more dogs. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions via the contact form at rosyfund.org and let us know if you would like to be a sponsor or a guest of the Dog Words podcast. Thank you for listening to Dog Words, and remember, we save each other.